Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome everybody to Margot Robbie Month here on Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And we've decided to dedicate all of the month of August 2016 to the woman of the moment, Margot Robbie. Obviously, we're proud she's an Australian and we're proud to uh, see her doing so well, you know, um, at only the age of 26. And the fact that she's only been acting since, say, 18, uh, it's a meteoric rise to fame. So we're very proud of you, Margot. Good job. I know you're listening. Basically, we're going to dedicate all of August to uh, her back catalogue of performances. August was chosen specifically because Suicide Squad is out, guys. So though we're not starting with Suicide Squad, we're kicking it off with Tarzan, which was out last month. Uh, We will be getting to Suicide Squad later in the month. So tune in and stick with us. Lloyd, um, obviously Margot Robbie is very beautiful, which is fantastic, you know. Um, But what else and why else have we chosen her, in your opinion? I just think because of a meteoric rise in the quality of um, directors that she's been able to work with, in particular Martin Scorsese, uh, which uh, we'll get to in this month as well, um, I think she's just got a huge career on her hands that is just going to get better and better. She's like the female version of Chris Hemsworth, in a sense, like um, the Australian. Like we got two powerhouses now in Hollywood. Um, you know, and they're both blonde, they're both beautiful, and they both represent that um, surfy Australian beauty bombshell. <laughs> you know, you can't get more iconic or represent, uh, representative of that sort of um, image. <laughs> and speaking of iconic, you know, we've got Hemsworth as Thor, and now we've got um, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. You know, they're grabbing the iconic roles, and that's going to do well for their, um, their stake in Hollywood. We love the fact that they've represented us and uh, the meteoric rise. It's fantastic to see. And I feel like as well, it really sets more Aussies up to want to go and take the chance and, you know, be in Neighbours like Margot Robbie was or Home and Away like Chris Hemsworth was and then move overseas and give the Hollywood system a go. You know, Margot Robbie got into Pan Am, the ABC drama series. It wasn't until 2013 that she really popped And it took the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, but then suddenly she's A-list, you know, she's, she's in, um, what do you call it, Focus with Will Smith, which obviously leads to Legend of Tarzan, which, you know, leads to Suicide Squad. And it's all a progression and it's, it's going to be really fantastic to see what she does next. You know, it's, like I said as well, it helps that she's beautiful, but we're really proud that she's Australian. So today we'll be discussing her opposite um, Alexander Skarsgård in The Legend of Tarzan, which I must say, spoilers for if you haven't seen the film. Before seeing this, I'd only seen Disney's Tarzan, Lloyd. Had you seen that? Yeah, I've seen I've seen the Disney Tarzan. I've also seen classic Tarzan, like uh, in particular a film that came out in 1932, and this is only because it's like considered a big cult movie, and it's called Tarzan and His Mate, and it had lots of nudity in it. It was just before the code started to really come into practice. Well, Holland, you can't have that. It was very violent. A lot of people die. And it was a really fun movie, very 
racist. Obviously, with Tarzan, I don't want to get into it too much, but obviously there is a huge sense of racism where you have the white aristocrat come over to Africa and really own that environment and every choice and decision they make, they're really masters of that environment despite the indigenous people who live in that country. They almost get like no say and they just become like caricatures in the background. Um, But I always found the character of Tarzan interesting, but I never read any of the books, never got into comic books if there were any. Um, You know, it was just too old-fashioned for me. Like that age, I'm just not really too interested in getting into. There's just something about it that doesn't attract me to it. And I have a feeling a lot of the modern audiences are going to feel the same way as like, who's Tarzan? And this is a Tarzan movie made during the height of superhero movies, you know? So there's obviously a big push to create like a, almost like a franchise out of this um, character Tarzan. And this is really like the superhero um, take on Tarzan. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's Lord Greystoke who becomes Tarzan. Tarzan is the superhero version of the character. You know, he's John Clayton, I believe, who when pushed becomes Tarzan. He's almost like the Hulk. I feel like this isn't the Tarzan movie we needed to see. You know, I want the origin story if you're rebooting this franchise. I mean, every Spider-Man gives us a new bloody origin story and retreads the same great power, great responsibility line and everything. I'm kind of with you there. I was actually really happy this wasn't an origin story and the film just starts right away with the Tarzan hero established and we pick up all the pieces. The biggest issue with it, it does become an origin story because they pack it full of these flashbacks and I do think the flashbacks play a really intricate moment towards the end, in particular when we get to the climactic moment I think that's so beautifully done but there there are just too many um, flashbacks that we have to get back to with Jane in the jungle, you know, how he, she first sees Tarzan. I'm like, oh, we know that they get together, you know. It would have been better just have it as an origin story where we see Jane meeting um, Tarzan or don't have that at all because you've already established that. So I think the flashbacks really hurt this movie, um, just the sheer amount of them used. Yeah, well put. I um, I think it needed to be one or the other. That's probably my criticism is that all the flashbacks made me go, well, which film is this going to be? Do you want to be the origin story of Tarzan, which I thought it maybe should have been, or do you want to be this modern take where he's been Tarzan and now he's going to be him again? Did you ever watch The Jungle Book? Uh, No, I never got into The Jungle Book. Because there was obviously a new one recently and all the CGI animals, and do I want to see this? Is it more of the same? I feel like... They've actually probably come out too close together. Yeah, no, that that's a very good point. Did you what did you what did you think of the CGI animals in this? Well, to me, they looked fine, but every review I've read leading into this um, a podcast episode, they all kept comparing it to the Jungle Book. Well, I would ha- too. Yeah. Yeah. So you've seen the Jungle Book. No, no, I've seen all the TV spots and everything. Sure, yeah. Well, a lot of people comparing going, man, it's so vastly superior in the Jungle Book and this movie just seems like it's 10 years behind what the modern CGI... And, and they always obviously referenced a lot of um, Planet of the Apes, how believable that looked. Um, but to me, uh, my honest opinion, it really sold me on the CGI apes. I, I didn't have an issue with it. See, when I was watching it, I thought... This is the danger with CGI animals. <laughs> You've got them doing too much. They look too fake. 
the gorillas don't look quite right and the very fake ostrich and the lions which he um goes up to and kind of nuzzles in the field i very much felt like um it was taking me out of the film where again i haven't seen the jungle book but everything i have seen of the jungle book made me you know seamlessly think that was the animals <laughs> you know I'm, i know that was fake as well all right, let's talk about Samuel L. Jackson. He's too, like like Margot Robbie, the issue with this film, he just seems too modern. Like a lot of his lines, you're just like saying, wow, this is like, it seems the tone of this film so, seems so real and serious. Like um, I love that moment when Tarzan puts his hand on the ground and you see that oh, the CGI'd hand, how his hand moulds. Like obviously his body has been contorted from growing up with the apes. Like his physique isn't um, isn't normal, you know, at all. Changes to the bone structure, I think exactly. They say. And it seems so serious, but when we get characters like Samuel Jackson, I love Samuel Jackson. He's one of my favourite actors of all time. Just some of his lines and delivery, and like obviously he's the comedy relief just seems too modern for a movie that's you know obviously based on this colonial uh, period in um africa uh, in africa the congo and i thought it was interesting that he's there to see whether or not slavery is happening i feel like he could have been played by a concerned white man as well like it didn't have to be samuel jackson it felt a bit like stunt casting to me he sort of gets to know tarzan a bit at the beginning and sees he's a man of few words right but he basically pitches that they're going to the Congo and Tarzan never actually agrees to go, nor do I think he would agree to go, which really makes the premise really flawed for me. I didn't buy it. He's trying to tell everyone he's not Tarzan anymore and stay in society. He's assimilated, you know, he's trying to be the person he is. And then he goes back. I, I really didn't buy that he would go back. Yeah, they I sped through Sonic there. <laughs> yeah, I felt like... All right, I know Margot Robbie's character of Jane was being pitched in all the promotional material as not just the damsel in distress. And they all said that she's not the damsel in distress, you know, but yet she's kidnapped and she's in distress and that's... And she's handcuffed for like 40% of the movie. Yeah, and Tarzan's obviously trying to save her and, and though she sort of has attitude and stuff, inevitably she is the force that has Tarzan pursuing them, right? So for me, why not just have her get kidnapped at the beginning of the film and then Samuel Jackson's character offer to take him to the Congo and then find out later he has that alternative, uh, ulterior motive rather, and then he has to become, he's forced to become Tarzan, he's forced to go along, then the premise is he's going to rescue her, whether she's a damsel in distress or not. So I had a problem with the initial premise, you know? <laughs> it was shocking, like, to hear his accent, like, right away. It was just such a punch. Like, what's what's Tarzan going to sound like? Is he going to have this African or animalistic voice? And it's this really formal British accent, very well educated and everything like that. I thought that was really interesting. It really hit me in the face and it took me a few moments to, okay, where are we? What's happening? You know, and then I accepted it. And there's still, you know, those animalistic tendencies when he's eating the egg in his room alone like he's eating it really raw he's still like the the those that animalistic upbringing has never really left him at all they did show that flashback of um tarzan as a baby the gorillas finding him you know just sort of establishing it for us his parents were shipwrecked correct i think so they shouldn't i don't think they should have showed his parents at all 
dying. Yeah, yeah I, I think it should, should have just been the moment the grandmother looks in the cradle, she takes the baby. That's when the flashbacks, I think, should have began. Um, you know, and the, obviously the, the mother's fighting for the right to keep the baby, and I got that, and that's brilliant. There's no dialogue going over there, yet that information still um, hits you. Uh, it's just that you don't really sympathise with the gorillas when the parents are killed or anything like that. And as well, my issue was showing the parents... Like, why did they go that deep into the Congo? Because they were shipwrecked. Shouldn't they have stayed near-ish the beach? Well, they sort of showed so many maps in this film. I felt like where he was found was too deep into the Congo and that they never should It was a very well-built house to last so long as well. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, Margot Robbie is Jane. She's his wife who says, you know, I'm coming along. I'm going with you. They've lost a baby which is important to the ending, Lloyd, because they're hardly going to start a thread like that without Tarzan becoming a father by the end of the film. She goes and sits up in a tree in this really phallic-looking branch, <laughs> and then he climbs up into the tree, and they kiss on this giant wood. Felt like a metaphor. Is it not a metaphor? <laughs> I think the iconography there was absolutely incredible. Uh, so Tarzan and Jane go home to their village, and... The people are singing the legend of Tarzan, which is where we get the title, no doubt. They thought he was an evil spirit, you know, that he understood animals, but he conquered them, and that he saw all humans as enemies. And then we get that kind of animalistic Tarzan thing, where he does all those mating calls to woo her. It flashes back to when they meet, and he's nude, which to me was the funniest thing in the film. Uh, the fact that he's nude, which is realistic, and he sniffs her inappropriately was very funny. And I was, like, thinking, I need more of that to make this work. For me, the part we should have seen should have been Tarzan and Jane uh, courting and, like, um, I have a pitch at the end of this episode. I'm just going to plug that. Uh, if I pitch a Tarzan movie to you and you tell me which you think uh, it's, you know, which of this this or my pitch you'd prefer um no pressure if you don't choose mine no big deal but it does rely on them meeting and fall falling in love more and sort of forming that friendship because for me that was the highlight of the film i don't know did you um what stood out for you well, what stood out for me was the fact that this was a, a, an established hero. Like, we're entering a world of an established legend of Tarzan, you know, and then we're picking up all the pieces as it comes together. What I would have liked is more of a showdown between Tarzan and the, the main enemy of the tribe that's really against him for killing his son. I would have loved for that to have been the climactic moment of the film. The moment all the flashbacks reveal itself as Tarzan killed his son, his son killed his mother. Let, these two are at it. It's sort of like a revenge film. And then Christoph Waltz and his, like, after they fight or, or, you know, forgive each other or whatever, then it's a showdown between him and Christoph Waltz. The last 20 minutes of this just felt like the producers said to the director, you must pack this with as much... We're in Africa, put as much animals as you can, um, you know, and have this show. And it just felt like no effort was put into that last part. And it was just so disappointing, you know. And there's so many moments in this film where I felt like that was the attitude of the director, where he didn't care so much for that moment and wanted to focus more 
on um, maybe this revenge style story because the craftsmanship of how the flashbacks were told in that one moment where the mother's dying and he's holding the mother in the last few breaths and then when he beats down the um, the son of the the tribes that the 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 villain of the piece I guess is so beautiful like that it, it, it felt like he, the director agreed um, to this project to just tell that one moment and it just really had me I'm just really disappointed that wasn't the climactic moment of the movie um, all I could think about when I saw him and I'm not going to try and pronounce his name was that he was also in Blood Diamond yeah he was <laughs> he was and also in after, Gladiator <laughs> yeah and that they're after Blood Diamonds in this too aren't they really I mean <laughs> yeah Look, we need to probably talk about the villain of the piece before we move on, and that's Christoph Waltz. He's very unassuming, and yet we get this kind of neck shot, I suppose, um, where he uses, what, what do you call it, rosary beads? And uh, he's very quick and is able to, you know, defend himself. Yeah, that was the foreshadow for obviously the climactic moment that this guy has an ace up his sleeve and he's going to play that. And I like it how it's just brute muscle that defeats it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Tarzan flexes his neck, breaking the (laughs) rosary beads. That was brilliant. (laughs) I mean, they make it a big moment too. It's like slow motion and and he's just like, nope, it's not going to happen, snap. Even though it would be cutting into his skin, it's he's not an ordinary man, as uh, Margot Robbie's Jane says. There's great um, moments with Christoph Waltz um, when they're in the boat and they're going up the Congo River. Just so, reminded me so much of Heart of Darkness, uh, Joseph Conrad's book. Uh, and I, I wish there was more focus on that. Like they, oh, sorry, they just made that better because every time we were with Margot Robbie and Christoph Waltz, it was just really boring you know it's just like uh, what do they have to talk about like what he's just going to tell oh it's too late for tarzan you know and he's finding out pieces of why um the the tribe's leader wants him um dead so much why the, the protector of the diamonds wants tarzan dead we're finding little fragments of that there's a great moment where she gets off the boat and a hippo almost kills her and then you know i really like that climactic moment where the the um, gorillas are around and she just automatically bows down like um, submitting herself and then the hunters start shooting, uh, Christoph Waltzman starts shooting all the monkeys. That that was a really well done tense scene where you see the modern machinery versus, you know, the um, the gorillas of the jungle. That was really cool. That, uh, that hippo scene, which is the closest we'll probably get to on-screen Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> uh, it looked like animatronics. It didn't look like CGI. I don't know. That's to my eyes anyway. It could have looked fake as hell. Okay. All right. I didn't, I didn't pick animatronics, but could have been. The line Christoph Waltz utters. That, that woman. That woman was such a bad line. <laughs> it wasn't as if she'd done a whole series of things. It was just that was the first time she'd done anything. And he just said that woman, like as if that defined her. It was so weird. Um, didn't sit well with me. As well, I, I wanted to ask, did you sort of get a sexually conflicted vibe from Christoph Waltz? Is that because of the line what Margot Robbie says about the priest? Yeah, she um, she implies an inappropriate relationship with a priest was something that happened with Christoph Waltz's character. I think it's hanging over because I read an article where uh, Christoph Waltz's character kisses Alexander Skarsgård's Tarzan. And let that sit for a second, Lloyd. 
he says in that scene, his wildness disturbs me more than I can easily express regarding, uh, you know, Tarzan and his wildness because Christoph Waltz's character is attracted to Tarzan. So... Well, I didn't get that at all. I think that they did test screenings where they left in this kiss and it must have been before the whole uh, breaking the rosary neck beads with his, you know, brute strength at the end because he's getting really close to his face when he's choking him. So he would have kissed him, presumably, and then uh, Tarzan would have fought back, done the mating call for the crocodile, and Christoph Waltz's character would have died. I'm sure I said spoilers at the beginning of this, but we are getting deep into it. So, long story short, he would have been a very interesting villain had they left that stuff in. Absolutely. Yep, I completely agree. But I think it, it was the thing people took away from the test screenings... And it was probably too big of a a plot point. The people were like, and that guy kissed Tarzan, and that was the villain. And well, that would have made a- the character much more interesting than like at the moment. I'm just thinking Christoph Waltz was just such a standard bad guy. Yeah, like yeah, like he just had no nothing to work with. But if that was the case, then wow, that adds a whole different dimension. Because so I think that throwaway him, yeah. line Margot Robbie says just added something which never got fulfilled. It's just like okay, now I've been given another piece of information that doesn't really add anything to the film. It's crowding it a little bit. But had that paid off with a kiss to Tarzan that he was attracted to him, my gosh, that would have that line would have resonated much more. Well, yeah, there would have been a payoff, absolutely. As it was, my wife said that Christoph Waltz's character looked like a dentist. And I had to tell her about the fact that he did play a dentist in Django Unchained, which she never saw. And I told her about the little tooth on the um, coil that was on top of his little uh, carriage when he was travelling around, which she found very funny. Had you seen the trailer to this film? No, I didn't. Because the animal stampede is in the trailer. Which, you know, because he can talk to animals and they do kind of a running of the bulls thing. So, you know, when he says, I'm going to go get some friends or whatever, I mean, I knew he was doing the stampede. And and that's unfortunate that when they put the third act in the trailer, it always annoys me. I mean, I've mentioned it on this podcast before. Um, I I like some surprises and sometimes I completely avoid uh, publicity and trailers because of it. It's just so unfortunate that the environment of movies at this time calls for such a big outlandish climactic scene where either the world's at stake, the city's at stake, or like, you know, you get a massive stampede with every single animal of the animal kingdom. Uh, I just wish this film ended much smaller with just a a small revenge um, uh, sort of showdown between um, the aforementioned uh, villains. And, uh, you know, it just feels so tacked on and effortless. Uh, the 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 that last bit. Uh, I guess as a producer, I'm seeing all the money on screen, but as a film viewer, I just want to see this this revenge story play out. In that that it was such a beautiful set piece where we got to the end of the river, so to speak, and here's the blood diamonds being given to Christoph Waltz, and here's this big showdown between these natives, all you know, like ghostly because they're you know they're all covered in this white paint, and the main leader of them is like this bear 
like I don't know if, if it's a bear or a lion he's wearing, and you know he has this big showdown with Tarzan. And like at first I think, oh, well, this guy doesn't stand a chance. I just saw a scene where um Tarzan destroyed this entire carriage full of soldiers. You know he just beats the crap out of all of them, which I thought was a very very well done scene. The action sequence, the um the actual physical combat, the choreography there was really good. Like Tarzan is just so physically strong, no soldier stands a chance against him. So when he uh, when he fought um, Jimon Honsu, and I'm really sorry if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, I just thought, well, that guy's got no chance in hell. But, you know, it was a really interesting battle sequence, but it doesn't really come to an ending. Like uh, no one really gets the better of each other. Well, can we talk about that train business? Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you believe Samuel Jackson, a 67-year-old man, keeping up with all those natives and Tarzan running through the jungle? That was a bit hard. <laughs> I'm just going to read you my note. So, George, Samuel Jackson can keep up and not die? Not likely. <laughs> He'd get a heart attack. Yeah, and then the fact that he just lets him climb on his back is like, you know belittling to George's character <laughs> and then they take the longest vine in the world to the top of the train like you know obviously it's the CGI stuff but it's mostly comical and just so Tarzan can free the slaves I suppose fighting a gorilla you know, never advised. <laughs> I, I like it how it shows Tarzan isn't invincible. Like, he does get his butt kicked in that scene and he, you know, really does suffer. You know, he isn't, um, like, against a man one-on-one, he, he's going to, he's vastly superior physically. And let's just quickly talk about the casting of Skarsgård. I, I, I haven't seen any of the vampire movies or TV shows, rather, True that Blood, he's been sure. in. True Blood, yeah. But I did see... Um, uh, uh, what is it? Kill, oh, geez, uh, Team Kill, Generation Kill by uh, David Simon, and he was fantastic in that series, and, and he never really showcased his body. So I was really shocked to see this in, in this movie. Like he, he he's done so well, thrown his, his whole effort into those abs, man. <laughs> uh, the girl's got a real big kick out, I bet, um, of, of watching this uh, movie. I think he was just a big standout uh, for them. And, um, you know, I, I, a lot of people are paying, uh, paying out this movie that Tarzan has a lot of time to work on his abs, you know. <laughs> it isn't like all upper body strength. Like the, the previous guy, and they reckon still is the best Tarzan, is uh, 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 an actor called Johnny Weissmuller. Um, he was like a swimming champion and it's just like obviously he's sucking in his belly, but he did have a huge upper, like, you know, upper body strength and that just really models on the, the, the strong man of that time. I think he feels physically looks great as Tarzan and I just from memory he was a great Tarzan but I think Skarsgård did a fantastic job in this film. Yeah I mean I can't think of who I would recast at this time because he's so fresh in my mind but I did watch every episode of True Blood. He does showcase his body a lot in that. It's not obviously in this condition and uh, he did work out and pretty consistently the trivia on IMDb is all about how much he worked out and how much he ate and how little he ate when he got to eat this cheat meal and uh, how he still talks about that as one of the happiest days of his life. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to cast a guy in shape, then they take an hour and five minutes or roughly thereabouts to get his shirt off for this fight when he fights a gorilla. To me, the best part about this fight is that he loses, correct? That, that he suffers kind of that wound, broken arm situation. 
he gets bitten, I suppose. And that that line where he tells George to show your most vulnerable parts. <laughs> well, doesn't he tell him to lick his balls or something? Yeah. I thought yeah. that was so off the hue, that, that, that comedy. Like, just like, whoa, do you guys really want to take it to that level? You know, you don't really need to go uh, need to go there. Like, you could keep it a bit more friendly just to get kids really engaged. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to see many Tarzan toys. It's sort of, well, I mean, a few things. They almost had a, you know... a sexually conflicted villain as well so i think they should have gone more raunchy with jane as well like margot robbie is just absolutely stunning and i'm just shocked they didn't go with her wearing that you know the the tribal sort of outfit that you typically think of jane when she's um swinging on the vines with tarzan in the jungle like i mean they showcase skarsgård so much why not do the same with Margot Robbie, like she didn't, like she wasn't as revealing as the male um, uh, character. I just thought that was a bit uneven. Maybe that was done on purpose to not go in that, to not stoop so low. I guess if if you I, see, I, it I really, I feel like a sex scene was cut from the film. Sure, um, they sort of they mention a sex scene in some of the interviews and that she slapped him or something and it's supposed to show they had very animalistic sex yeah, scenes or that, yeah absolutely like yeah none of that really comes across i mean um, they did it in bloody avatar <laughs> you know <laughs> it did annoy me when tarzan sort of fights those mercenaries and he's grossly outnumbered and they don't use that to their advantage they attack him one at a time and as well george samuel jackson's character is watching with a rifle and he gives up his position yeah, that, that was really... You're talking about the part when they tie up Tarzan, they got, got him and they're carrying him towards the boat and then um, Samuel Jackson comes out of nowhere and starts gunning them down? Um, no, that bit wasn't as bad. I mean, when the the black guys with white painted faces are all attacking Tarzan. Oh, I see, yeah. And George is there to provide cover fire and he just gives up his position. Stop this. What are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought, yeah, the choreography there was really muddled. Uh, sorry, in that initial where, where um, George rescues Tarzan, where he takes out his six shooters and starts gunning down those hunters. And I'm assuming that um, Christoph Waltz has hired elite white hunters, if I should, if I can say that. And they, they just get gunned down by George, who, who should be firing with a rifle from a well-protected position and he's just running, charging at them with six shooters. I just thought that was a bit weird, like uh, considering that the next scene we see him, he's really focused on the rifle. He's a a rifle-heavy guy and he goes, no one in in, in the world is good with this rifle but me or something. He says some line like that. The choreography there was a bit muddled. Yeah, I feel like the, the racial stuff in this film, and there was a bit of it, but... There's like a racial metaphor where Christoph Waltz is the white man wearing all white, you know, and can't they just get along like Tarzan and George do, you know, black and white working together. And the mercs are like black guys wearing white face paint, the gorillas are black. I mean, there's a lot kind of going on and I feel like people will draw their own conclusions. Yeah, here, no, I feel that. Like the best way, I think Oliver Stone, st- Oliver Stone said in the um, platoon commentary, he said, if you're ever going to do racism, just play it straight. Don't think about it too much, just play it for what it is and people will draw their own conclusions. And I think that's the most intelligent way to handle it. Unfortunately, I think they try to, tried too much with this film and a lot of people are discussing it right now or they did this wrong or they did that wrong had they played it 
the card straight, they could have just simply said, no, that, that's just how it is, you know what I mean? I mean, the black man and the white man hug at the end and the black men are free, so thanks to Tarzan. <laughs> it, it's much more like a slavery tale in the Congo than a Tarzan film. Sure, yeah. They cut to that one year later, you know, the baby being born, which just kind of ties up that loose end. You don't get to see Margot Robbie really, like, come out with the baby, like, because they've got their own traditions. And uh, at the end of the film, he, like, embraces being Tarzan. Like, he's a, he's a dad, and uh, he has a baby, so now they probably won't get a sequel, right? Do you see them making a sequel from this? It seems to be set up, like, like we get all those so- soldiers on the boat, all, all those elite mercenaries that are supposed to be paid off with the diamonds. They never really land, and we never see Tarzan have to fight them. So the film just ends with a simple chase to the boat and, um, you know, Tarzan defeating Christoph Waltz. It does feel like the producers wanted a, a Tarzan 2, a Tarzan 3. Can we make a franchise out of this? And it's really unfortunate. A lot of big movies are getting this treatment like hey is there room to make sequels because that's how we can make a lot of money i get that um geez i forget where i was going with this (laughs) but oh sorry yeah sequels if they're going to go with the sequels you know i don't think that's going to be the case because um this movie hasn't been that successful at the box office at all and i don't think younger viewers who are watching the avengers who are watching you know batman versus superman i don't think they went and saw the legend of tarzan Uh, we went to see it basically because of margot robbie month so yeah I i wouldn't have seen this otherwise exactly i mean i wasn't thinking I would rather probably have watched The Jungle Book if we weren't doing Margot Robbie Month. But but, but that said, I really enjoyed a lot of what David Yates did in this. I think there's a lot of promising parts throughout this whole movie, in particular that gorgeous flashback reveal to the climactic moment. I think that's one of the best things I've seen in a long time. It was really Sergio Leone-esque, like almost once upon a time um, in the West. It was just really great for me. I love the, those moments. Um, the, the, I'm such a battle uh, revenge movie type guy and just to see that was like oh my gosh (laughs) but uh this movie's just too bloated with flashbacks it didn't know what it wanted to be whether it was an origin movie or where we're going are we going with this established legend of tarzan and this is just one of his adventures and the the bad guy like um as john carpenter said a movie's as good as its villain he was just so boring and it's played by a great great actor christoph waltz just just a typical bad guy and he probably signed on with the script where he kisses tarzan yeah and exactly more like you're telling with. me this and my mind's going yeah that that sounds brilliant you know why not do that but they, they i think they played it too safe well he's three-dimensional then here he's two-dimensional and it's so um unfortunate that physical media is dying off with blu-rays and dvds how everything's going streaming now like we might not see a director's cut of the legend of tarzan because people just won't buy the physical copy of it you know once upon a time that used to be a big thing oh my gosh the director's cut you know slowly that's now fading out the last one i remember buying was the butterfly effect which i think only was released as a director's cut but you've managed to grab uh, batman vs superman which maybe we'll have to talk about sometime so like for me the least amount of tension in this film was when they thought tarzan was dead at the end did anyone ever think that tarzan was dead (laughs) No, he's right behind you. (laughs) And I also, I'm just going to conclude on that sequel bit with, uh, now that they have a baby, surely they won't make a sequel because, I mean, what do you do with the kid? That immediately 
gives Margot Robbie nothing to do. Well, um, ju- just have it as just he's too young to defend himself or something. Well, something like that. Like it's just so annoying movies with kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, as well, TV shows like change completely when they bring in a baby. Like um, Friends, for example. Once Rachel has a baby, it's a sort of different show. For me, the big problem with this movie is not enough Tarzan and Jane scenes. Like we don't get a sense of their relationship. The love story doesn't get to develop because it starts when they're married and we don't really get enough in the flashbacks to, you know, sell them as a couple. Maybe it's chemistry based, but they might have tested well. But if they don't share scenes, it reminds me of the film Cold Mountain. Nicole Kidman and Jude Law, like the whole film, we don't have them together. Yeah, They're separated. Yeah. Um, The film Serendipity, which you're supposed to believe John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale's characters are so meant to be together, you're supposed to believe it based on this kind of three minutes at the start for the rest of the 90 minutes, you know? I think you need a little bit more on screen. Uh, just quickly, um, that action scene again where the um, riflemen are shooting down those uh, gorillas and pulling Margot Robbie back to the boat, wasn't that cool? Like, Tar- I think that was Tarzan's brother, the ape brother, starts um, running at them wildly and Tarzan tackles him to push him away. Um, because obviously he's just running to his own death, and then Tarzan and his brother work together to take out the hunters one by one. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that a cool sequence? And they leave one guy alive so he can run off and tell Christoph Waltz. You know, that was really cool. For me, the, the big wasted opportunity of this film is the shot where Tarzan saves Jane. He's finally reunited with her at the end. He grabs her in midair and swings with her, and drops her into Samuel L. Jackson's arms. There was no slow-mo of that moment, you know, <laughs> and there probably needed to be. Well, again, um, it just feels like the director gave up at that point, like just yeah. simple, straightforward choreography. Oh, I guess he swings and rescues her. Uh, Samuel Jackson just grabs a gun and shoots. He doesn't have to move. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, in that moment, you know, she could have looked at him, he could have looked at her, even, like, we got a lot of shots of the eyes, didn't we? I don't remember exactly, but for me, that that moment where they catch and they're reunited, she should have just held him and there should have been a slow-mo of them swinging just for like a half a second, something that showed she was in his arms again, but it was done from a distance and then he immediately drops her. It sort of was the whole relationship almost, like in a nutshell there. And we we spent a lot of time in slow motion of him running and stuff. That moment felt like it needed slow motion. Lloyd, I want to pitch you just like a maybe a reboot of Tarzan or like um, a smaller scale version of this that maybe doesn't cost $180 million. So uh, you've got to focus on the whole Tarzan as a mythical in the jungle type that they aren't sure about. You know, he's in the wind. He's superhuman. He's throwing his voice. You know, he's you're hearing his call in the distance. He's going to be their enemy until he isn't through a romance with Jane. I'm imagining like a party of people, sort of a band of misfits, a small group that gets shipwrecked and therefore, without realising it, have even more in common with Tarzan, you know. This party of people, maybe one of them can be after diamonds, but that doesn't need to be the central story. It's so large, the whole diamond part of this. We don't need to go to London or have any of these maps and backstories. This group is basically Survivor, the show, you know? The diamonds can even be there through happenstance. And so we have this Survivor-style camp with various characters, and they have their own internal struggles, you know? One of them can be killed, and they can blame Tarzan for it, when in fact, as later we will learn, 
there's a villain within their midst. Jane might come to the defence of Tarzan because maybe she runs off with him, swings off with him. They have themselves a romance and kind of a holiday tryst almost. She can be dressed in, as you were saying, that classical Tarzan robes. And the fact that she'd be swinging on a vine with him is kind of reminds me of the scene where, you know, a superhero like Superman would fly up into the clouds with Lois Lane and kind of take them into their world, you know, um, or fly over the oceans with them. So the swinging would have been like a real introduction to Tarzan's life and world. What I'm thinking is the film would definitely have romance and probably have some sex, unlike this film. But the third act is all cards on the table and the real villain gets exposed among the group. And you kind of have it start with a shipwreck and end with kind of a rescue. And then if Jane is leaving on that ship at the end and they're looking longingly at each other, you know, that sets up your sequel. Is it just a fling in the jungle or is it more? You know, can she love this animal who's more animal than man? Or how human is he? Is he more human than he knows? Will they see each other again? And you can keep the gorilla elements and, you know, his tribe. And then it becomes more of a Romeo and Juliet tale, you know? You know, have Tarzan save her from a CGI lion or tiger and you've got yourself a better movie than this, I think. It can sort of just take place in the jungle and maybe be kind of, uh, as I said, less than $180 million. What do you reckon? Well, as long as you got that showdown that's in this movie and it's just that showdown, like the, the climactic moment is the big massive fight scene between um chief mabonga i guess if if he's the villain that reveals himself i'm in <laughs> well that was your favorite bit i'm getting that <laughs> yeah yeah that was my favorite bit but like as long as you got a climactic moment as good as that i'm in <laughs> well you'd keep his eight pack of abs and then i think a lot of people would be in <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right guys that was the legend of tarzan starring alexander skarsgård and australia's margot robbie uh, I think she was fantastic in this. I just don't think the film was that great, which I feel like is going to be a bit of a theme for this month where she does a fine performance, but perhaps the film isn't what it should be. I'm really hopeful that Suicide Squad is a, a real hit for her because they've spent a lot of time and money making it right, haven't they? Oh, yeah. And I mean, what are your thoughts about the character of Harlequin just before we move on? Well, I've seen Suicide Squad. She's such a she's like pretty much the extreme sexual wild card, uh, very violent and sexual, I should, I should say, of the the world of um, DC. Um, everyone loves Harley Quinn for that. You know, you just have no idea what a character is going to do. Um, from scene to scene and I think I'm really hoping Margot Robbie can pull it off because it is almost as huge as something like the Joker which is you know everyone uh, we've seen two great iterations of the Joker um, in cinema like in in major movies in the last 20, 30, 40 years or whatever, like uh, hopefully we'll get like a rebirth of a new character just like the Joker with Harley Quinn, like uh, how is Margot Robbie going to take it? It's such a huge uh, weight on her shoulders that she's going to carry towards these fans, like how is she going to do it, you know, because Harley Quinn is so beloved by comic book fans. So um, I, I really can't wait and I'm hoping for the best. Absolutely. And, and it seems like they've greenlit a solo film for her character, so... It sounds like they have faith in her character and, and how she's going to come out of this as well. Absolutely, next week we are covering Suicide Squad. So uh, use the hashtag Margot Robbie Month to discuss this. Uh, we'll keep an eye on Twitter. You can find our Twitter handles and links to our YouTube channel and all our past podcasts at www.podmeifyoucan. 
look, Margot Robbie month is just beginning. So uh, send us your requests on Facebook. Again, you can find the link at our website. You know, let us know what your favourite Margot Robbie film is. By the end of this month, I think Lloyd and I will know ours. All right, well, um, we'll talk to you next time with Suicide Squad. Really looking forward to seeing Jared Leto as the Joker and how uh, Margot Robbie comes out of this film. Uh, Until then, subscribe, share, and uh, we will talk more Margot Robbie next week. Hit it. for listening please like us on facebook and follow us on twitter go to www.podmeifyoucan.com pod me if you can movie reviews 